0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Behind the Line podcast, where we discuss all things related to the Super Retriever series. Hey, everybody, I'm your host, David Hamilton, and today... We have a very special guest, now. I know I say that every time because all of our guests are special, but today's guest, Clark Kennington, is here to talk to us about his and Stroker's win at the 2021 Crown Championship just a few weeks ago down in Shreveport and Bossier City, uh, Louisiana. Now, before we get started, we do want to take a moment to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Eukanuba, the Super Cheerios Series, Crown Championship, and this behind-the-line podcast series, are brought to you by Yukonuba, the leader in premium nutrition for sporting and working dogs. Joining us today, as I said a moment ago, is Clark Kennington. Uh, If you follow this game, you're very familiar with Clark. Clark is a uh, previous crown champion, and then once again, won this year with uh, a dog that I think we've all been cheering for the last few years. It seemed uh, for several times there, Stroker was the groomsman and never the groom. But in uh, 2021, down in Shreveport, Bossier City, stroker got it done and is our 2021 crown champion so uh clark let's just start off by saying congratulations man and uh really proud of you and and stroker and thanks for being with us here today on the podcast
2: thank you buddy i'm glad i'm glad i could be on here with you guys and i uh, look forward to talking about uh stroker and this year's crown
1: so let's take it back a few weeks ago to the crown championship. Uh, you came in, I imagine that you thought you had a, a pretty good shot given the fact that in years past, you know, Stroker's done really well, uh, runner up a couple of times, I think he's been right there in the hunt probably four or five years and, you know, unable to get over that kind of last little hurdle of, of being the champion. But, um, coming in, did you think maybe this was his year?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I've thought that every year that he's run, um, but, but I felt like it was kind of now or never, um. At eight and a half years old, uh, we were running out of time. Uh, and, and Stroker's always been consistent. I don't know what it is about the crown, but for some reason that time of year, he's always on fire. Uh, you know, he had two seconds, and then he had a seventh, and then a sixth. And I mean, he had run four crowns and had three uh, finals appearance, appearances out of the four before this. So uh, I was really I kind of had my fingers crossed that this would be the year. Uh, I also had two other dogs I was running that I felt had a very good shot at it. And uh, just kind of luck of the draw, we drew some early numbers with him and just didn't quite work out. Um, But, yeah, I felt like we had a good shot this year going into it.
1: Was his temperament any different, or was he the same old stroker when you got down to Shreveport?
2: Uh, You know, I talked to Lyle before this crown, and uh, we he kind of asked about Stroker, and I said, you know, I feel like this is his best opportunity. Um, Stroker's performance hinges completely upon his attitude uh, and whether or not he feels free and comfortable. And the more relaxed that Stroker is, mm-hmm. the better he performs. Uh, and he's kind of different than most dogs. You know, most dogs, the more you run, the worse they get. Stroker's a little different. The more he runs and the more loose he gets, he actually performs better, which is kind of backwards from most dogs. Uh, He had just got done getting his eighth grand pass, and then we went straight from St. Louis to Idaho, and he passed his third Master National to go in the Hall of Fame. We had a short little window between there and and the uh, crown, but he was running so well and he was so relaxed. I, I felt like that, you know, this was his best shot we've had so far.
1: Obviously, the the environment's a little bit different in Shreveport, meaning, you know, different conditions that you have to face than the typical when we do the crown in, in Huntsville. But to, to your point, you also run Grands and, and all kind of stuff all across the country. So Stroker's probably seen a similar conditions or similar setup to what you all saw in Shreveport. But But how did it change your training, if at all? knowing that this year's event was in a different city and it was on different grounds than kind of what we're used to uh, with the crown being at Huntsville. Everybody knows in Huntsville, we're going to go back to that little pond. Everybody knows in Huntsville where there's going to be a big, you know, uh, something going on out there, Jones Farm uh, in some capacity. And, and this was a new venue for us. So how did that uh, uh, impact your training, if at all?
2: It changes a lot. You know, we're running in Huntsville. Everybody that's been there kind of knows what we're going to get. Just like you said, we know how to prepare for that venue. Um, going into Shreveport, nobody knew really anything. Uh, you know, my fiance worked for it for a while, so, and I knew to do something near the casino over there. Uh, and we had been there before when she worked there, so I kind of had an idea of what that might be. Uh, but other than that, man, we had no idea uh, going into this. So at that point, you kind of just you throw caution to the wind and try to prepare the best you can, but you don't really know what to prepare for when you're going to new venues. And the crazy thing about what we saw in Shreveport is for next year, we still don't know that place that we ran on was so big and so many different options. There's not really anything to say, Oh, this is for sure what you need to prepare for. Like we used to have in Huntsville. Uh, so preparation was a little different. Uh, we didn't do the little stick ponds with running water and cover and cypress trees or things like that this time because we weren't really sure if we were going to have that at it been Huntsville, we would have for sure prepared for that. So yeah, things changed a little bit, but I wouldn't say they were just completely drastically different. Um, still a lot of confidence stuff going into it. You know, We do a lot of things trying to build boost dogs confidence and uh, try not to break them down at all going into that event.
1: You talked about, you came in with three dogs. Uh, let's talk. I know it's been a couple of weeks, so things may not be as sharp in, in your memory or mine. We were both there, uh, but let's try the best we can to piece it back together. Um, let's talk. Okay. So series one, you had three dogs uh, talk our listeners through kind of what the test was and and how you thought stroker and your two other dogs performed in that test.
2: Um, My other two dogs were in the first four dogs. They were both in the first four dogs to run that series. Uh, and that's, never really a good thing um because you just don't know what to expect you know um you don't know what to expect from the conditions the test uh the judging you know everything changes those first four or five dogs are kind of the guinea pigs that kind of figure out the test and the judge is figuring out how they're going to score it um and we just you know it's luck of the draw it happens that way and they were the two that other two that I ran. One's name was uh, Joe. His register's name's plain old Joe. He actually won the very first SRS of twenty twenty one. First one they had this year. He won. Uh, he's an incredible dog. He's young in this game. Uh, I felt like he had an outstanding shot at this, mm-hmm. um, but it just didn't work out in the first series. And the other dog I ran was a dog named Emmy. She finished uh, fourth in the crown the previous year. Uh, super talented, nice dog. Um, you know, the conditions just weren't favorable when we ran, and that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, the first series was a hunt savvy um, type test. They had a quad with a poison bird out there. That We were in a duck line. The dogs were in a, in a mud hut next to us. And, uh, you know, it just took a dog that had a lot of experience, you know, one that doesn't get rattled when you've got the goose call going and, You've got the guy laying in the decoys throwing the birds, and you're shooting the gun. And You know, we had a quad that was thrown, and we shot two of the four birds that were thrown. Um, It's just a little different type test, and, and we picked up one bird, and we had to run a big blind off the left side and then come back and get the other marks. You needed a dog that did not get rattled easily by it, a dog that could be able to function with all of that excitement. Um, to me, that was an older dog test, you know, a younger dog that gets really excited and wound up was going to struggle with that test. Cause there's so many triggers out there, uh, that can make their emotions override their brain. Um, so I felt like when I saw that test, I was like, you know, this is a good test for stroker. Stroker n- never gets rattled. He's cool, calm, collective. You're not going to see him, you know, let his emotions override everything else that's going on. And, um, you know, he showed, showed what he's capable there. Um, the other two, like I said, just kind of fell for, it was a bad timing and it happens that way. That's kind of the luck of the draw with the crown, you know. you can have the nicest dog there, but if you run in the wrong conditions and it's going to happen to everybody at some point in time, uh, it's just not going to work out in your favor. Um, that's part of this game. And that's part of what makes it so much fun. And then, of course, you know, second, third,
1: fourth, and fifth series, it's kind of, uh, you know, the, the better you do, the better draw you get in terms of, of when you get to run. But you're absolutely right. That, that first series is just kind of a crapshoot. You stick your hand in a, in a basket and draw out a bandana that tells you you're running. So right, right. at that point, you, Stroker does well in, in series one. You head to series two. Uh, what are you thinking heading into series two? And uh, how did Stroker perform in that
2: second series? You know, heading into series two, I felt really good um, because if anybody's followed Stroker's career and through the crowns, typically he does not start well. If you watch all of his first series, he's normally middle of the pack, maybe a little better, and he claws his way back into it. Um, when he had a good lead leading the first series, was like, you know, this is different, you know. Typically, like I said earlier, Stroker gets better as it goes. So I felt really good about it, and um, Doug and I talked numerous times through this that week, Uh, and I always kept telling him, you know, yes, we're ahead, but we're still a long way from getting this thing done. Um, You just can't get too excited about where you are because literally one bird can cost you the whole crown. This has happened before with Stroker where I made a mistake and cost him winning the first crown he ever ran. He should have won, but I made a handler's mistake. Um, but that just kind of comes with the experience of running the game more and realizing that every little detail counts. Um, but when we saw, I saw the second series, it was kind of an HRC style grand test and man, that's right up strokers alley. Um, I felt very, very confident with him on that test and, and he showed, I mean, he had the lowest score in that series. I picked up all the marks clean, ran an incredible blind, um, and had the lowest score in that series. And that made me feel even better going into the third because we had such a good lead, but we always discuss when we just, we talk about the SRS and what a dog has to be able to do to win one. Um, Not, there's not a dog out there that can be absolutely great at every scenario they're going to see in the SRS, but typically you're going to have a dog that's, really good at this or this but may not be as strong in this area um and that's kind of the way it fell with stroker you know those first two series were right up his alley and and we had to kill those series um to make sure we were in a good spot to make a run to win the crown
1: and you talked about that first series was a hunt savvy test and the second one's kind of an hrc type test so i know you don't know till the morning of what they're going to run but you had to be thinking in your head okay series three at some point we got to get a field trial in here and it's probably going to be series three
2: right? right right when we finished that hunt test i, I had a very good feeling we were going to see a big a big trial not just a small trial but a big trial in the next series and uh you know that's what they did it was a monster triple with two retired very well-placed birds um Again, you can watch dogs run as the conditions change. There was points in times when it was better to run and when it was not, and that's just part of the retriever game in any any venue you run. But one of the coolest parts of the SRS to me as a handler, as you get to watch these dogs run and kind of figure out, okay, this dog's doing this, if it's here, and this is their responses by watching the dogs. And like I said just a minute ago with having your strength and weaknesses in dogs, Stroker's weakest point in the SRS game is the field trial. I mean, he's good at it, but he's not great at it. Um, so I had to really pay attention to how they were judging it. You know, what were they looking for out of that? Um, was it better to let dogs have a big hunt or was it better to have a quick handle? Um, where are people sending dogs and where are they ending up? And kind of have a game plan going into that series uh, with Stroker, per se. Um, And watching all the dogs run, especially watching Scott run in front of me, uh, you know, he picked up two clean and he had a big hunt and a kind of rough handle to get the long bird. And I think he ended up with a 101 or something like that. And uh, going into it with Stroker, my, my whole thought process was get the birds picked up as quickly and cleanly as possible with the least amount of damage. You know, I felt like if I could get two of them clean and handle on one, that would be great. Um, that's what I was shooting for, but I was not going to gamble. And we ended up handling on the two long birds, but I purposely pointed them way right, right. Because every dog that, that pointed straight at the gun ended up splitting the marks and had a hard time handling. But the dogs that were pointed behind the gun would kind of loop in close to that bird. And he did just that, what all the other dogs had done. And I think I had two whistles and he wasn't far from the bird when I started to handle. Um, he picked it up clean and we had a quick, clean handle on the long bird. And I think he got an 88. So that kind of goes back to watching the dogs and how they're being judged and making a game plan as a handler. You know, the dogs that had huge hunts and eventually came up with a birds weren't necessarily real rewarded there. There's a lot of dogs that had 130, 160 points that may have got it clean, but had monster hunts. Uh and that wasn't really what those judges wanted to see. Sometimes it's a little different. It depends on the judges, and that's what kind of is cool about the game is you've got to pay attention as a handler. You can't just have a great dog.
1: Yeah, you got to know. Okay, are these guys going to penalize me for a quick whistle, or, or are they going to penalize my dog for a big hunt? Exactly. Uh, one advantage you had as being kind of the you know the front runner is we run in reverse order, so you did get to see everybody else. All and- right. It was a hot day, and there were a couple of dogs that, that started to get a little overheated out there because they were running, and they you know, they did have large hunts where they couldn't find the bird, and they're running in this ginormous field, and you can just tell they're getting fatigued. Any concern on your part that, like, this could go sideways for me if I don't get straight stroker in the area because he is eight, and I don't want him to run
2: around out there forever and ever and ever with that sun beating down on him? Yeah, that, that was a concern, too. You know, I really didn't want him to hunt a whole lot because of that. And, uh, you know, that middle bird was a long way out there. And him being eight and a half years old, you start wondering about a dog's hearing at that age. Um, You know, the last thing I wanted to do was him get out there and not be able to hear a whistle, and then everything goes south, and we go from leading it to not even in the hunt anymore. Um, So all those things come into play, you know, going back to talking to Doug, that we've got to take every bird one at a time, you know every single bird counts it could it could be one bird that cost you winning the crown um and that's kind of the way we approached it you know we were in a situation to where we did not have to gamble to try to make up ground that we were in the driver's seat and um that's the way i attacked it as a handler with stroker was do not gamble Uh, as long as we don't gamble we can keep a lead even if our lead diminishes we're still in the lead and we're in good shape
1: want to now shift over to to series 4 and talk about that but before we do let's take another quick moment to thank our sponsor again Yukonuba Sporting Dogs give us everything we can ask for and then some their nutrition should do the same for them you can find out more information about Yukonuba at yukonubasportingdog.com also follow them on Facebook and Instagram with the username dog. we are chatting with Clark Kennington uh, about him and his dog partner Stroker, who are the 2021 Open or or Pro Division, uh, depending on how you refer to it. We call it the Open Division here, uh, the Super Retriever Series, and they are the crown champions. So for those of you that are maybe not as familiar with our sport as others, that is the ultimate championship. Think of it as like our Super Bowl, if you will. And uh, Clark and Stroker went down to Shreveport and Bossier City, and several dogs went down, and only one can come back as the Open division champion, and it was uh, Stroker with with Clark there as his handler. So, Clark, you get through that field trial, like you said, um, pretty pleased with how that went. But, but you know, keeping Doug's expectations there, Doug, by the way, to, for those of you listening, is uh, Stroker's owner. You know, keeping him excited, but also saying, hey, we still got two more series to do here. Let's make sure that, that Stroker picks everything up clean, and then we can claim we're, we're crown champions. So, is that added pressure on you when, when you're talking to the owner of the dog and he's he's excited and he wants to win this? Because he wants to win it just as bad as you do. Um, and, and, and you're wanting to, to show him confidence in you, right? Like,
2: I got this, but also like, hey, let's not put the cart before the horse here. Yeah, it is a little added pressure. Uh, but, you know, you want to kind of keep things in perspective at all times. You know, um, I was just as excited, um, but I've been guilty to be, of being too excited before, um, and then things don't happen the way you necessarily want them to happen. Um, and that just comes with time of running more and more events. You just gotta relax, take one step at a time, one bird at a time. Um, because reality is this is a five series event. It's not a one or two or three or four event. It's five series. And, uh, you, you've got to make sure that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's all the way through. And, you know, it got to the point, probably the third after the third series, Doug would, before I could even say it, he'd say, yeah, I know we still got a long way to go because I'd always cut him off of that. Doug, we still have a long way to go. Uh, because I just didn't want him to get him too excited and something bad happened. And, and that was for me just as much as it was him. Um, so yeah, it is a lot of weighted added expectation. Um, More so with that dog right now. Uh, well, at that time, just because we've been so close so many times and that was the one goal that we had always set out to accomplish with stroker that we had not done yet. Everything else he had done, it's kind of, it was a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Um, so I was saying that just as much for me as I was for him.
1: I don't know if you remember this conversation you and I had several years ago, but you kind of had some some prophecy that I don't think you even knew at the time would be that way. So we were at a crown, and I, I think it was either when when Dude was you know runner-up a couple years in a row and was about to win his first, or it was when Dude had already won one. And you had said, you know, I got this dog coming up, and he's, he's a son of Dude, and he reminds me so much of Dude, and I think he's just going to be great. And it's funny to look back now on the, on the similarities that – stroker like dude had a a couple runners up before he finally got that win and so uh it's almost like a similar legacy if you will have you ever have? has that thought ever
2: even gone through your mind oh yeah a hundred times especially when he got back-to-back seconds without winning yeah i was like oh my goodness like and i'm sure steven felt the same way like it this dog's so good is it ever just gonna happen for him you know he's good enough but is it ever gonna happen um And, man, once you get second twice and then you get a a seventh and then you come back and get a 6 you you're like, oh, my goodness. You know, you only have so much time uh, before they get to a point to where they pass their prime. And, uh, you know, it always weighs on you. And it weighed probably more heavily for me going back and watching that I made a mistake that cost Stroker from Winning a Crown when he was four uh, the year that Indy won it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's been through my mind a thousand times before this crown of, um, gosh, dang, there's so much alike. Dude eventually, you know, eventually got it. And then he ran again and won again a couple of years after that. So, yeah, it was it's kind of deja vu, you know, watching dude <laughs> and then watching Stroker. And they're both these big, massive, powerful dogs that both act just like babies and puppies away from work. And uh, it's pretty cool to watch the similarities if you go back and watch the tapes between Dude and Stroker.
1: Well, like Dude, Stroker eventually got that coveted crown. Uh, We're talking about that here today. So you come out of Series 3, you head into Series 4. You don't know what the judges have for you. They take us up kind of on that hill, and we have to run kind of downhill um, just describe the test to everyone of, of kind of what we were looking at there in the in the semifinals um, and, and how you thought uh, Stroker did in that, what, just kind of how you grayed out his performance.
2: You know, the fourth series was a very, very, very difficult master series. Um, it was a triple with the blind, pick up one mark, run the blind and pick up the other two. Um, and, man, they kind of painted you in a box to where, you had to go get the left bird. It wasn't the last bird thrown of the triple, but you really needed to go pull the dog off the last bird thrown and go get it to have a shot at picking up these marks clean. Um, So they made it way more difficult than what it would have just been if they had thrown that bird last or just said, Hey, go pick up the marks and then run the blind. So they added a bit of difficulty to it, which, Hey, this is the SRS crown. It should be. Um, So I felt really good looking at the, at the test. You know, I felt like, we at Stroker could do this. Uh, Probably one of the most memorable parts of the crown for me is, you know, Scott and Tess and me and Stroker were duking it out. You know, we were the two way ahead of from the pack. It was going to be between Stroker or Tess. And uh, man, it's fun when you've got healthy competition there like that. Uh, Scott and I were kind of picking at each other going into it. And man, Tess went up there and just killed that Tess killed it and i was sitting in the holding line going oh my gosh like he just really put the pressure on me because i don't think it can be done better than what she just did and uh scott kind of turned around and winked and grinned at me and said no pressure now and uh you know i didn't let it show but inside i'm like oh my gosh i don't know if i can hang with that that was amazing um but you know stroker did his thing he went up there and killed the test and did a great job i think he got Tess had one scored one point better on that test than stroker did and um uh, coming off the line scott was joking he said man i just can't make up any ground on you and uh, we just kind of picked at each other back and forth having a good time with it because i mean when you've got two dogs running at that level it's it's fun to have that of competition and be able to enjoy the competition together um uh, so the four series ended, and uh, I think Stroker had a fifty or fifty-something point lead going into the final. Uh, and I think that's really when the pressure really started hitting me. Of we're one series away from that crown championship,
1: and then we get out to to series five, and as you imagine, they're going to make it a difficult test for the finals. And I mean that test had everything right. It had some some running water. It had a, a blind kind of around the corner that you couldn't really see um it had a a a poison bird right there kind of off the line um yeah just uh I I thought the judges put together a a heck of a test there to really kind of determine you know who's the best of the best but you're right that the two of you kind of went into that as a as a unless somebody just absolutely goes up there and blows up it's a two-dog race so um it's your turn to run you've already seen Scott and the others run I think in your head you probably kind of know what number you need to put up. Um, I know we don't announce scores uh, in the fifth series, but knowing that everybody's run, now it's your turn. Uh, talk us through that last run there that uh, ultimately led to Stroker being this year's ground champion.
2: Um, You know, I watched Scott run, and he had a good run. Uh, he picked up two of the three clean, had to handle on the left bird. And she kind of got wandered a little bit at the back end of the left bird and had a a decent blind uh so going into it my thought process was do not gamble do not do not do not gamble you have a big enough lead just make sure that you don't make a mistake that cost him this crown is what i was thinking and you know there was one huge factor in that test was the go bird the last bird thrown depending on which way that bird turned either it would shine like new money and you could see it really well or if the back end of the bird went toward the handler you couldn't see that mark at all so it was kind of a 50 50 shot of whether or not they saw the go bird and uh stroker did not see his at all um, And when i kicked him off i realized he was going to the back side of the gun and in my mind i'm like okay i said do not gamble and we handled on that bird got it relatively clean he ran an amazing blind on the poison bird outgoing poison bird um you know i I kicked him off on the outgoing poison bird and he kind of pushed off the two holding blinds they had out there and went on the back side of it and looped back in and got it um you know some people were thinking i was sending for the right bird Uh, I was not sending him for the right bird yet, because in my my mindset, I was looking at that right mark, not the poison bird, as I was never going to send Stroker on that bird on his name, because if you looked at it, there were two home blinds there that made a slot. And an older dog will look at that and say, okay, this is a slot blind, and if you line them up for a blind, they're going to go through there nine out of 10 times. So on that right bird, I lined him up and I sent him on a blind on back rather than his name because I, I knew that he would see that slot and he would push through that slot and go deep of those two holding blinds. Uh, and that right-hand bird kind of fell in a hole. And it was you couldn't really see the dogs in there when they picked it up. And I could t- see Stroker's tail in there and he was kind of looking for the bird. I guess he would caught wind of where the birds were falling. Um, and he hunted around for a second and I knew he was in that area, so I blew a quick whistle to handle him to that bird as best I could to get it quickly and cleanly. And when I sent him for the last long bird that was retired on the left side, I knew from the start before I ever kicked him off. I was going to send him on a, on his name and give him an opportunity to go pick it up without my help, but I was not going to gamble at all on it. And, and we didn't, you know, we handled to that bird as well. And um, I actually ended up making up some more points on Scott. I think we made up another 10 or 13 more points in the final, um, just because we didn't gamble. And, you know, that goes back to watching as as a handler through all six series, man, those judges did not miss a single point. It was the highest scoring that I've seen at a crown. Um, And I just feel like they didn't miss anything. You know, if you wandered outside of a fall area, they got you for every point you could possibly get outside of a fall area. If you went in and out of a fall area, they were getting you for those five points every time. They did not miss anything. Um, so I wasn't really sure when we left the line how many points that Scott and, and Tess had gotten, but I felt like I'd done enough. But you always get that what-if feeling. Um and that kind of hit me after I got the last bird with Stroker was like, you know, did we really do enough because we've come so close so many times and it just didn't happen. Uh, you know, I didn't feel relieved until I heard him call out uh, Scott and Tess for second place. You know, it was like a, a flood of emotions for me uh, because we, we've tried so long to make this finally happen. Uh, I mean, I, I literally over a little of loss of breath when uh, Stroker won it because it's just been so long coming for that dog. Uh, like I said, I mentioned that I felt like I cost him his first crown, <clears throat> and then a the second crown I ended up winning with another dog named Rosco. Rosco's an incredible animal, uh, but Rosco came to me, you know, six to ten months before that crown. I'd never had him before. I just put the tools in him. Necessary to be successful at the SRS. And, you know, I was so happy to win that crown with Roscoe. But always in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, what if, you know, uh, I may have called Stroker again (laughs) winning a crown. Um, So to me, when Stroker won that, it was like the burden of the world lifted off of my shoulders. Uh, That dog has done so much. Uh, for myself uh, and, and Doug throughout his career, um, you know, he was born in my living room floor. I watched that dog from the day he was born. Uh, and to see it finally happen was just it was overwhelming, to say the least.
1: Yeah, I can I can only imagine safe to say that. OK, and you're a young guy, so I'm not saying here you're, you're not you're not, uh, you know, anywhere near the, the end of your career, but uh, safe to say that this one secures Stroker's legacy more than it secures Clark's legacy. Cause you had previously won with Roscoe. So as a handler, you had already won. And, and, and to the point you said a minute ago, you had this huge burden of like, yeah, I won and I'm proud of Roscoe, but I'd never won with Stroker. But now this solidifies Stroker's legacy.
2: Correct. Correct. I, I hope this isn't my last one to win. Um, but I felt like if he had never won one, I would always have that burden on my shoulders of what if, you know, what if I had not made that mistake when he was four years old, you know, what if Roscoe had not come into my life, you know, he would have won that one. Uh, I mean, everything happens for a reason, you know, and I'm a firm believer in that God has planned for everything. And uh, man, I'm just glad it worked out the way it did. And now Stroker
1: is, uh, getting to retire. I understand it, uh, that kind of go out on a high note, right?
2: Yeah, he is, uh he is officially retired, at least for national events. He'll run no more grands or nationals. Uh, not going to run any more SRSs. You know, he'll come back in the, in the spring to me. Um, we'll run a couple of weekend tests just to keep him in shape. You know, with as big of a dog he is, he's got to stay in shape. Um, uh, but as far as from the SRS and national events, he, he's retired from it. Uh, we, I mean, we have nothing to gain and everything to lose from continuing to run. I mean, he's, he just won the crown by 66 points, um, and, and that's enough, you know. It gets to a point in a dog's career, and it's the hardest part of being a pro handler, is when you spend so much time with a dog. I mean, they're truly they're, they're a major part of your life, especially him. Um, you know, I made a comment to Shannon and a lot, a lot, a lot of people knew this. I lost Stroker's granddaddy a year ago, the week of the crown this mm. year. Uh, he was my first dog and that's Stroker's granddad. Stroker and Dre pretty much led the crown all the way to the final and Dre had a slip up in the final ended up second. Dre was a Max Grandbaby as well. So it was a pretty emotional week for me from that as well. You know, it would have been amazing to see Dre win and have two Max Grandbabies up there on the stage uh, winning, but it just didn't work out that way. Uh, But Stroker holds a special place in my heart and always will because he is a Max Grandbaby. You know, I put that breeding together uh, for years before it ever happened in my mind and then for it to happen and to have a dog actually turn out the way that you planned it in your mind before it just doesn't happen very often. Um, so to me, stroke will always hold a special place in my heart. You know, there's not a lot of crown champions that the handler can look at and say, Hey, I built that dog from the ground up, you know, he was born in my living room, trained him all the way through. Um, there's not very many of them out there. And then for it to be a dude's son and watch all that, and uh, it's pretty cool to see that legacy. You know, dude won a crown. Now dude has had two offspring win crown champions. And that's, that's pretty amazing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 yeah, man. I mean, you were bragging on, like I said a, a little earlier, you were you were bragging on Stroker years ago. Of hey, man, I got this dog you need to look out for. <laughs> he's coming and he's coming in hot. Yeah, uh, and yeah. now he retires with a, a crown championship, two runners up, a sixth and a seventh. That's a quite the legacy. And like you said, it just continues that family tree legacy from from dude on down. Um, before we let you go, let's let's talk about you, um, dude or dude you just mentioned dude got it in my mind <laughs> stroker is now retired um you are not uh so you know who are some dogs that you're working with now that we need to, to keep an eye on in the years ahead and uh you know uh what can we expect from clark kennington
2: in the in the 2022 season man it's it's going to be different without stroker for sure uh, but man we've got some super nice ones coming up um and some we've been running that that Joe dog that I ran this year is he's a for real player. I, I feel like he's got an opportunity to possibly win a crown. Emmy does as well. Emmy probably has one more year to get a shot at that. She'll be nine this year coming up. Um, man, I've got a dog named Mo coming up. Red, um, Alley, Splash, a lot of other ones that are very capable of uh, of possibly winning a crown. Um, then Lee here at Mossy Pond's got Shooter and Smooth and several other ones that are capable of it too. So, um, you know, Stroker's career is done, but I hope I've got a couple more crown champions under my belt. Uh, I'd like to try to give Lyle a run for his money on that number. That's a long way to go, but that's kind of my goal. Uh, Can't get to seven if you don't get to two. And you're now at two, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think Lyle's got seven. Steven has mm-hmm. three and then I've got two. So I'm trying to catch up there. Uh, but hopefully some of these dogs will continue to grow and, uh, get some more experience under their belt and be able to go and play at that level. Uh, you know, the big thing with Stroker was just consistency. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever have one that is like that. Um, as far as consistency goes, and I mean, you can watch over the past years of the crowns. It's not often you see one that's always there. Um, so that that that's going to be difficult at the next crown. You know, every time I go in with stroker, I was like, I know I was going to have somebody there at the end. Um, you know, this year marked the sixth or seventh year in a row that I've been in the finals of the crown, um, and out of those five of them were with Stroker, uh, So that's a, a, it's a pretty big feet and big shoes to fill. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to the future. You know, I'm excited about the dogs that I've got that I'm running next year in the SRS. I'm super excited about some of the young ones we've got. We're building over here at Mossy Pond that have a strong, bright future ahead of them. Um, but I'm also kind of looking forward to see how this game evolves, you know, It's changed drastically since when I first got into it. Um, And you have to drastically change yourself as far as the way you train. So I'm really looking forward to the future of not only the dogs that I'm bringing up, but also how the SRS is going to change and evolve. I mean, this year is, if you look at the schedule, it is crazy how many events we have this year, which is great uh, for everybody involved as far as the crowns involved or SRS or competitors, you know. A lot of the younger people looking to get into this game look at it as, why would I want to go try to compete against the people who are always winning? Well, now with this spread out as these events are, and there's so many going on, you know, myself, Lyle, Luke, Stephen, we don't necessarily have to travel all over the country to go get these dolls qualified now, which is great because it leaves room for new people to come in there and say, okay, Not all of the heavy hitters are there this weekend. I feel more comfortable getting into this new venue and trying it. So I think it's going to be great for the sport. You getting to hunt any this year? A little bit. Um, I ran a master test this past weekend in South uh, Alabama. I've got another master test, not this weekend, but the next in Okeechobee, Florida. And then I'll get a break. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to go shoot some ducks, maybe deer hunt some. I'm going to Prairie Rock with uh, Stroker and his owner the first of the year. So, hopefully, I'll get a little more time to, to do some duck hunting. I've been on the road a lot this year.
1: Everything I've heard about getting to go out there to Prairie Rock and, and spend some time out there with uh, with the crew out there, with Jake and everybody I've heard, it's just, wow, just phenomenal.
2: I'm so. really looking forward to it. Jake's a good family friend of mine from... Jake's known me since the day I was born. Uh, So he's a good family friend of mine. It's always good to see him and spend time with him and really looking forward to seeing it.
1: Awesome. Before we let you go, we always kind of end these podcasts with five rapid-fire questions. I ask you a quick question. First answer comes to your mind. Ready, set, go. Question one, what's something about you most people don't know?
2: Oh, that's hard. Um, I'm a workaholic.
1: All right. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I know you worked hard, but man, yeah. All right, number two, when I say retriever, who's the first dog that comes to mind and why? It could be one you trained or one someone else trained. Just the word retriever, who comes to your mind?
2: Dude. Why? You know, I watched dude when he passed his first grand, and, you know, the first time I ever saw him, I knew he was a special animal, and, you know, that's kind of how I put my standard to what I was trying to build, watching him come up. So I'll always think of dude.
1: If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would it be?
2: Mm. That's really hard. You're making it difficult. difficult. Um, I guess giving. I'm always willing to go out of my way to do for others rather than myself. That's a great trait to have, man. <laughs> now, nah, I mean, to, to a fault. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Yeesh, that's Yeesh. Uh, probably I, I, I would enjoy cooking for a living, like being a chef.
1: Makes sense. Got to have all the right pieces for the good recipe and you got to do all the right things to train a dog. Makes I re- sense.
2: I really enjoy cooking. That's What's your favorite thing to cook? Bonus question. Favorite thing to cook. Um, man, I really like cooking pork, like pork chops and things like that. You know, it's kind of anybody can cook a steak or other pieces of meat, but a good pork chop is kind of hard to do. You know, a lot of the times they're too dry.
1: That is very true, man. If you can get me a good pork chop, you and I can be friends forever. <laughs> I can do. Uh, it. Final question: You got a weekend to yourself. You don't have any dog games to compete in. You have no training to do. You have no honey do list from your fiance. Like, go cut the grass. How are you spending that time,
2: man? One or two ways. Um, my fiance and I really enjoy getting away and going to like. I know it sounds crazy, but I love amusement parks. Um, we like to go to Universal Studios in Orlando. Um, if I'm not doing that, I like to hunt, and it's. I've spent so much time duck hunting in the past, uh, guided for 15 years. I like that. But, man, one of my most enjoyable things is just go sit on a deer stand, away from everybody and everything, and, and just relax.
1: So the joy and quiet and peace of sitting in a deer stand all the way to riding the Hulk and uh, those other roller <laughs> coasters there yeah, in it's, Universal it's vastly Studios. vastly
2: different. <laughs>
1: yeah. Very different. One, you're by yourself sitting there enjoying nature it's nice and quiet the other you're with you know fifty thousand of your closest friends riding a a roller coaster and screaming at the top of your lungs yeah very different (laughs) i know hey man that's great It's, it's both ends of the spectrum well clark it's been great chatting with you today man congrats again to you and stroker uh we'll see you out there in 2022 uh hope you enjoy prairie rock with doug and stroker in january and uh we'll catch you here on the podcast soon and uh hopefully man this time next year we're uh chatting with you again as, uh, the 2022 crown champion. But, uh, one thing no one can ever take from you is that you're, uh, the 2021 crown champion with Stroker and, uh, congrats to the two of you again.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, David.
1: All right. Have a good day. Bye.